Um, my name is Carl Messenger. I serve here as one of the pastors and elders, and it really is a joy to serve in that capacity and even connect and get to know everybody more and more and just walk this journey. And I do love this season, well, and I think Zach nailed it. Like, this season of expectation is like, you know, we keep saying, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But as we really grasp what Advent is and, and, and who Christ is and why He came and what He came to do, uh, we can only just be reminded of His love for us. And, and it just causes us to look up to Him and to see Him and adore Him and worship Him. And, and then He causes, causes us to, to, to look inward and to grow and we want to look more like Him. And, and then our heart, our heart would turn to see as He sees. And so that is what Advent is. That's what fallen Christ uh, ought to be. And so we want to tap into that on the daily, on the regular and all that. And so kind of a way that that shows up in my life, I want to open with a story um, that is like super current, as in like less than seven days if you count whatever the hours equal there. So last Sunday night, uh, my wife uh, Liz and I had just a really, um, depends your definition of great, but a great conversation. And it was a really uh, real and, and just open and honest one, which is normally, that's our MO. That's kind of what we like about each other. Uh, one of many things. Um, and um, it stemmed from last Sunday morning. So those of you that were here at church last Sunday morning, um, great. If you weren't, check out online. You can listen to Mitch's sermon. But Mitch broke down uh, most of Ephesians chapter 5, and it really is an interesting text, and, and Mitch did so well. He's such a great Bible scholar, really, and um, loves to just dissect all that. I like to pick the easier sermons where it's just kind of clear, like, this is what Paul said, and so, you know, just do it or, or, or don't, but that's on you. So we'll get to that in a second in great detail. But how Mitch shared how we've got this letter to the Ephesians, which we've you know, kind of played off of Paul's letter to Tampa because it's not just some old letter. This letter is to us. Talk about a port city. Talk about affluence and sex and just this culture that we live in. It ain't much different. But this letter where he talks about being one and being unified, and Mitch even touched on how like, we feel that as a church, like coming together as one. And what does that look like to be one as Christ and the Father are one? It's Jesus' own prayer for us, right? And, and that, that we would be one. So you've got that big thing. Hey, be unified. Yikes, right? And then this morning we're, we're going to get into the S word, submission. So how do you go from be unified, oh, and then submit? And then so I'm like, hey, Mitch, you can take that one. And so he just walked through, and, and it was great how we ought to live in love. We ought to live in the light. And we ought to live wisely. And so this is a really great word. And so uh, Liz and I were discussing it Sunday night. How, how, do, how are we doing in that? How are we really walking in that, living in that? How's our marriage? How's, as parents and all the different relationships it's going to bleed into this morning. And so um, we're sitting there talking. And it's like, well, listen, this coming weekend, which is now, um, we're like, you know, preaching. And so, um, in fact, Liz, if you don't know, she spoke at uh, yesterday's women's Christmas craft tea, whatever it is. I don't know if they were cute. I don't know what all they did, but they did some things. And so she got to speak at that, at which she doesn't speak a whole lot, and um, but she should because she's got incredible wisdom. She lives wisely. But so there's that whole thing. Hey, you got to speak on like, you know, about God, and then I have to do it right now. And so we sat with that like, okay, if we're going to share on on who God is and, and, and what he what he does and means in our life, like, we ought to be prepared for that. And so, like, how are we doing at, at these things? And it was just a great conversation of, like, um, and let me just say, uh, nothing that was shared was a surprise to me, uh, which I think is the point and the problem. And so it's like, hey, you know, Carl, you're um, not just kind of stubborn. You're, like, um, the definition of stubborn. Uh, I said, that's right. And 
And then, you know, going deeper, it's like, you know, basically in my life, just something you need to know about me. Those of you that know me well, you're like, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I feel that. Is um, Carl's will and Carl's way, let me just save you a lot of hassle. It's the right way. And so if you guys, and, and I'm trying to explain to her, if you would just see that, there, we'd be good. Right, and so so that was just a, just a real and raw and sinful. Okay, that was a joke. You most of you got that. Just part of me, like you know, and, and and then from that it bleeds into other things. It's not just oh sometimes you're a jerk. It's like you know we do all the things you want to do, and even as parenting our kids, it's like you know let's set and and this starts with me, like the example for our children of people who love God not just on Sunday, but all the time. Who as and we talked about this last week with the baby dedication. Who walk along the road. Who who when they go to bed at night and when they wake up, we have any free time that we we walk in the ways of the Lord and we share that and we lead in that way. And so we just had this great conversation that um, you know ended finally and um, but hasn't and it bled into this week, which I'll discuss in a minute. But I had we had the I had the unenviable task uh, right now to talk on submission and we kind of joked but not joking that hey. Sunday night was literally, and I use that word correctly, not like my daughter uses it, and um, literally was an example of us doing that. Where we were mutually submitting. It wasn't, well, you do this. Oh, well, you do this. Or, well, here's why. Because it was just a really healthy, my, from my perspective, um, form of just walking through real life stuff. And we all want to know God better. We want to we live in love. We want to live in the light. We want to live wisely. And I desire that deep down. But under this sinful flesh, that is my heart's desire. And so as we look at unity and we move through how we want to live, we get to submission. And so today, uh, this morning, we're going to explore what does the Bible mean when it says that we ought to submit to one another. And so we're going to hop right to it. So we're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 5. Go ahead and open your Bibles there. Ephesians 5, verse 21. Uh, pretty, pretty good amount through the whole Bible. This gives you an image. If you try to find Ephesians, it's, it's uh, one of the Pauline epistles, the letter that he wrote to the people in Ephesians, in Ephesus, known as the Ephesians. It's a circular letter. So it, it arrived in Ephesus to the elders at Ephesus. They would have taken it. They would have shared it with their church, something like this. And then it would have disseminated throughout all of Asia Minor. And um, again, literally, I'm going to use it another time too, correctly. Literally to us today, this letter um, gets to us. And so let's pick up in verse uh, 21, uh, which reads very simply, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And what we're going to do um, here this morning, just to explain my outline, is um, we're going to look at the command, which is right there. And then Paul is going to give us the examples. You can just throw that up there. I'm going to, look, I'm going to point at it. Thanks, Jordan. The command, the examples, uh, which all point to, number three, the authority. And if you're filling in your blanks, those are the first blanks right off the bat, um, right there. And so we're going to walk through this outline and um, apply it to our every one of our lives and relationships um, today. And so first, the command is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There it is, clear as can be. Um, But it's important to note, and you all know this, that mutual submission is not easy. In fact, at least for me, and and maybe maybe it's my personality doesn't help, but I I can't do it on my own. And so mutual submission is really only possible 
through the Holy Spirit's transformative work in my life. When, as I agree with John the Baptist in John 3.30, that I must decrease and Christ must increase. Like more of Him, less of me. And less of my will, less of my way. And so it's only possible in walking the Spirit. And so the Spirit-filled life, have you ever heard that phrase? It can mean a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people. And, and maybe that, you know, if you were brought up maybe in, in that tradition, maybe I just freaked you out. Maybe if you're brought up in the other side of the tradition, you... <coughs> Baptist, you, I freaked you out in a different way. And so I get that. But listen, I went to Baptist school a long time ago, but I don't hate the Baptists, just if you're wondering. I like all of the people. And so this, is this, this concept of living a spirit-filled life is this. It really ought to be normative to the Christ follower, that I, I'm in tune with God's spirit, that I, I desire to know him better. I desire him to walk and move in my life to make me look more like Christ, and be more like Christ. And so as we all continue to increase in that way, none of us have arrived, as we continue to increase in that way, it ought to affect every relationship that we have or will ever have. And so that's this command here. So then he gives these three examples of of what it looks like in these relationships that he lists. And so the first one in verse 22, he says, he gives the example of wives, and husbands. And so if you're familiar with this text, um, you either, you have some opinions on, on, on this. And so wives and husbands, and, and that's the next blank. And in verse 22, the next verse, Paul says right off the bat, this is Paul talking, Don't nobody throw things at me. Wives, verse 22, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And then he goes on to say, you know, some things about husbands. I don't know, you know, like, you know, living like, like loving your wives like Christ, something like that. I don't know, it's in there. But husbands love and, and really sacrifice your, for your spouse, for your wives, the way that Christ did. Um, which, what did Christ do for his bride? He died, right? Okay, so just fair warning. Submit is a hard word. Dying, a little bit harder. Just say it. I'm going to just leave that there. Leave that there. So that's the, the first example. We're going to walk through these and apply them to our lives, as I said. The second example uh, is children and parents. And, um, and that starts over into chapter 6, uh, verse 1, there where um, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. And then he goes on to say to the parents to raise up your kids in the Lord, which is something we had on display um, when the tax uh, dedicated sweet emory grace just even last sunday and so that is and that was a big part of is a big part of our lives and of, of liz and i we've got god for whatever reason has been so gracious to grant us these four little kids and so how do we raise them up in the lord and um it looks like a hundred different things sometimes we get it right too so that's pretty fun so children and parents and the third one um are servants and masters or depending on your translation um here in in verse five you can throw up there in the esv the, the word is bond servants and masters. I'm going to explain what that means. But your version may say slaves. Um, it may just say servants. Um, but we'll explain uh, that in a minute. But I have to say, I've got a lot of caveats to this text because we're human and we need them. This text is one of, if not the, most used and abused, wait for it, literally in all of Scripture. They, they have been used out of context to support you know, political, social, uh, and even religious um, talking points and argument. They've been used 
um, to condone human slavery. There it is. Hey, slaves, obey me as your master. They've been used with a spousal abuse. Hey, submit to me whatever it is I say or else, and even child abuse. These verses are among the most used and abused verses. But it should go without saying, but it must be said that that is not only out of context to this text that we're looking at, it's clearly out of context to the whole of Scripture. And so the example of wives made husband, children, um, honoring parents and, and servants, bond servants, slaves, um, honoring and obeying their masters, those are not Paul's nor God's point. He didn't write this so that you would say, hey, which one are you? Oh, ladies, cool, number one. Hey, kids, number two. Slaves, sorry, number three. It's not the point. These are examples to illustrate the greater point. And the greater point is that first verse that we open with, Ephesians 5.21. The point, the teach, the takeaway for every one of us, no matter what relationship we're in or will ever be in, is to submit to one another. So it's both. It's not submit to me. Submit to one another out of reverence for who? For Christ. It's not about husbands, parents, or masters. It's about the master in heaven. And so even upon further glance, um, there aren't three examples. There's six. There's six, right, on both sides. And so what's the larger lesson that Paul's teaching here is that in order to be a good husband or a good wife or a good child or a good parent or a good servant or a good master or employee-employer, we can, we can get down a little more to 21st century. In order to be good at relationships, it all centers on the most important relationship, which is vision up how we're doing in submitting uh, to Christ. And so a good husband, guys, you listen, doesn't dominate. Doesn't say, there it is, submit to me. A good husband doesn't dominate. He submits to Christ and then submits his own will to the will and the need of his wife. Something that does not come natural to me, and I guess some of you. And um, for uh, and we're called to follow Jesus. His life was an example of one who lays down his life, willing to die. Now, it's like, oh, I would take a bullet for you in a heartbeat. I'd take someone, you can see the other guy. That's easy, maybe. But the daily and the little and, and the, the moments that, that I don't want to or I want this, not that, that's what we're talking about. And then so, ladies, wives, those of you that are, that are wives, married or, or desire to be married one day, this call to submit to your husband is there. You are to submit to your husband, but hold on, don't throw anything. Not because he deserves it, nor because he's better than you, but because in submitting to your husband, you are submitting to Christ, which is the same thing that we ought to do. And parents and children and servants and masters on down the line is that we submit because we're told to follow God's example. And His example was how to lay down our own will in order to prefer others. Paul writes in, in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, 
but Christ who lives in me. And the life with which I now live in the flesh, the same flesh that is stubborn and arrogant and sinful and at enmity with God, the same flesh now, because I've been crucified with Christ, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He also writes, Paul, in Romans 6, verse 6-8, same kind of thread. He says that our old self was crucified with Jesus. And that in order that our body of sin might be done away with, like that we would get rid of the old. We would no longer be slaves to sin. And then he gets to this logic. It's like a C.S. Lewis type logic here, which I love. You know, I had to drop C.S. Lewis in all my sermons. So check. Um, But he says, if we have died with Christ, if those of us that have put our faith in Christ, that yes, like God in his great love came to set us free and he paid the cost that I owed out of my sin. And so if we claim that, yes, I will die with him, then the logic means that as he was raised up, that we now walk in life. A lot of what Paul, and as Mitch explained last Sunday, if we have died with Christ, we believe we should also live with him and live like him and see as he sees and so what does this look like? Okay, we want to make this applicable to our own lives because in this room we wear many different hats. We wear a number of the hats that Paul listed there. And you can throw that list up, the examples, Jordan, to kind of help us look at that. Thank you. Is that we have this list, but this list is incomplete for us today. It's, it's incomplete for, for, I think, two main reasons. The first one is just because we just have so many different relationships Um, in in our lives today. Not that they didn't have more than these relationships, but these were the predominant ones. But I think for us, we're smart people in this room. We can see things beyond that. So again, it's not as simple as, well, there it is. Okay, as long as I'm a decent husband, decent parent, and boss or master, great, check. No, there's so many relationships. So that's number one. But number two, and and this is very important, is I want to look at that number, number two, number three, number seven, is this servant's, um, again, the Greek word there is best translated bondservant. So this is not talking about uh, slavery as we understand it maybe from American history. It's also not talking, not, not talking about that. And so as I kind of twist it a little bit just to make it applicable, if you'll allow that, as I kind of frame it as like boss, employee, employer, employee type, that is very insufficient to the point. A bond servant is someone who, for some reason, has become indebted to a master. And that could be, and you're, we're going to get an example where this is likely the case in Matthew 8, but that could be just through like war, where, hey, I could kill you or you could be my bond servant. I'll be your bond servant. And so it could be through that, but often it was done through racking up some sort of debt. And so in order to pay the debt, well, you can't pay it ever. And so you will work for me for a period of time. Usually it was seven years, sometimes 14, sometimes life, or sometimes, especially a good master. We see this in Paul's letter um, to Philemon about Onesimus. So if you're on the slavery train there, which surely you're not, but read that. And Paul says, set him free for he's in Christ. There is this teaching that, yes, there are some of us who are enslaved to a master. Now, I'm not going to let you all off the hook. While none of us in this room are slaves, some of us live our lives slaves to our work, enslaved to our paycheck, literally indebted to our expenses. 
And so there is a, a word there for you to probably sit with and, and to see as God sees. But this idea of servants and masters, bond servants and, and masters, equating it to employee, employer, it, it is not the same. But probably for most of us, that is more how we will see it um, uh, there. And so um, that, is, that is that part um, that we're looking at there. And so... For most of us, we live in any number of these different roles at different times. And so how, um, how do we do that? How are we supposed to live? Well, the easy part is this. Regardless of your role, you are called to do the exact same thing, which is 521, which is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So you are called to live as Christ would call you to live, whichever one of these or other relationships that you find yourself in. And we are called to follow Christ's um, model. And so what does that look like? It looks very hard. It, it looks not easy. And it looks like we need a whole lot of help. Luckily, that's where we have to go into the spirit and the church and community. I need guys keeping on me, which is what this guy Zach does all the time, and Mitch and C.R. Campbell and other elders and, and friends of mine. And, and Liz needs it too, and we all need it, and you need it, is that that's what the church is. That's Christ's bride as we, as we live the way that he set the example, right? And so it looks very hard because it doesn't come naturally to us. We're all born sinful and selfish and self-centered, even somebody that are like super nice, like I don't buy it all the time. And so there we are just, that's just how we are. We want what we want, and we don't want to do what we don't want to do. It's natural. But it's not the way of Christ. And so throughout this letter to the Ephesians, Paul's been um, writing about what we're supposed to do. And, and, and he puts it very bluntly, which I love about Paul, is that um, when we don't live the way that we're supposed to live, it leads to death and, and darkness. That's why we have to live in the light. And, 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 and so we have to know that when we go our own way, it ain't good. And so we have to center ourselves to Christ and His Spirit. And what he's saying in this with submission, we are to subvert our own will under Christ. And in doing so, love and prefer others. And we submit to His authority because we trust Him. And because we know that He knows what's best and that He wants what's best for us. Now with an abusive spouse or parent, that's not the case. With a pimp involved in human trafficking, that's not love. We, we know that. And we're doing something about it. And we need to get on board with that in our city and in this world. There's no concern for a servant, or the child, slave, literally human trafficking, slavery. It still exists. More slaves today than any time in human history. We just don't see it, or we're not aware of it, but we're going to learn how to be aware of it. There's no concern for God is the ultimate thing when we have no concern for others. And so, what about, because I know you're thinking this, when you are on the opposite end and you are receiving unjust treatment, perhaps by your spouse, or an abusive relationship, or parent, or, you know, let's go with the boss and employee-employer. What do, what do I do? Well, Scripture, hard teaching, 
is very clear. We are still to submit and to serve and to love and obey. Now, short of sin, important caveat here, all right, and I don't even want to give examples because they'll start to get crazy, but like if your spouse, your husband submits to me and I want to do this and it's clearly sin, you don't do that. If, if your employer is telling you to do something that is immoral, you don't submit to that. It's the whole like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, World War II, Nazism stuff. Like, what's the greater evil? To murder Hitler or to let him murder everyone else? It's a tough one, but I'm with Bonhoeffer. All right? Saying. And he paid for that. And so when you are on the opposite end, you are called to love and submit and serve in hopes and pray because in hopes that maybe one day through your example, that person will see tangibly the love of Christ demonstrated to them. And we pray that whatever time they have left in this life, that they would come to the saving knowledge and love of Christ themselves. That is what we are called to do. Now you may say, that's unfair. And I'll say, yeah, it is unfair. You know what else is unfair? That Christ went to the cross for you, for you people, for me. It's unfair that if you were the only person ever born, as C.S. Lewis puts it, that he still would have come because he loves you that much. That's not fair. And so any you know thing that's not fair in my life pales in comparison to the fairness that Christ displayed. And so in our family of relationships and in all of your relationships, we ought to willingly choose to love and to submit. And a great example uh, of this, uh, of, of just submitting and understanding kind of our roles and who we submit to at what time and how we even how we are then also over people um, is found in Matthew uh, chapter 8. You can turn there if you want, um, but I can also just kind of walk you through it. But in Matthew chapter 8 here, um, Jesus is approached by a Roman centurion. Now, he would be a Gentile, but somewhere along his time being stuck in that desert wasteland of Judea and in Palestine 2,000 years ago, he came across um, the Jewish faith, the one true God. And we understand, obviously through there he had heard about Christ, and he, he seems to have this faith in God despite it not being how he was raised, despite it not being really accepted by anyone else around him. And so he comes to Jesus and he says that he has this servant who is dying. And Jesus, if, if you would just say the word and heal him, I know that he will be healed. And so Jesus says, I'll come heal him. I will come right now and heal him. And the centurion says, oh, no, that's not what I asked. See, see I am a man in authority. And, and, and I'm a Gentile, and I, I don't, you know, I, it's not right for you to come into my house. Like, that wouldn't be right. You're, you're the Son of God. I, I am a, a sinner. You can't come to my house. He says, just say the word, and I know that you will heal my servant. And you know what Jesus goes? He turns to his disciples, which he did all the time. Like, come on, guys. And he says, I have not seen this kind of faith in all of Israel, 
And he says that he was amazed. Your version might say astonished. So this centurion, this Gentile, who has probably killed people, right? And this servant is really like a slave. In fact, he used the word slave, right? He, he goes, he says, Jesus, I understand because um, I am also a man under authority of my superior officers. And he says, he says and I have uh, soldiers under me, and I just simply say, do this, and you know what? They do it. And I say, come, and they come. And I say, go, and they go. And so you say the word, and it will be healed. And Jesus says, I've never, in all of Israel, and he knew a thing or two about Israel, you know, and like, you know, all of them and their hearts. And he said, this guy had greater faith, and there's an implication, than all y'all and everybody else, because he trusted in the authority of God. That even though my servant's dying, even though I have sinned and and I'm a sinner, that the authority of Christ is stronger than that. It's greater than that. And Jesus says, because of your faith, your servant will be healed. And he was healed that very hour. Now I recognize again that terms slave and and master um, are not uh, acceptable in uh, the 21st century, nor should they be. And uh, again, slavery... The Bible stands against slavery in all forms and finds it absolutely abhorrent. And so anyone that justifies it through Scripture doesn't know Scripture nor the heart of God. We know that all people, regardless of their upbringing or their background or their skin color or any of that, were created equal in God's image. But throughout probably war or some debt, this slave, this servant um, was in need. And so Jesus met through that need. And so, while none of us in this room are slaves, we are all subject to someone above us. No matter what you attain to in life. So again, husbands, you ain't in charge. All right? Parents, those of us that are parents, you know that, I mean, you can't wrangle these crazies anyway. So you know you're not in charge. All right? And even if you become a master or a CEO or the president or I'll throw the Pope out there, right? Not throw him out. I'll include the Pope. and The Queen, you, know, you want to be queens, all right? whatever, whatever is the highest, Jeff Bezos, whoever you want to become, there is always someone above you, even if it's only Christ in heaven. Uh, only, that didn't come out right, but you know what I mean. But take a page from the centurion. A very powerful man. Just say the word, Jesus, and it will be done. You know, Eugene Peterson, who is just the man, the man, the man, the man. And uh, he uh, did a translation of the Bible known as uh, The Message. And uh, I love to read The Message, and you ought to, too. I know some of you are like, oh, my gosh, he said The Message. But it is incredible to walk around a text. And, and, and The Message with Matthew 8, is it ends so poetically brilliant and simple. And, and, and Eugene Peterson um, translates Jesus' response to his disciples as this, I have not seen this kind of simple trust in all of Israel. And so the last blank on your card there is a, is a kind of, we'll use that definition for submission. Submission is simple trust. That's it, simple. Trust God. That's what it is. 
Because if you trusted your spouse, you'd submit. Guys and gals, spouse, not just wives to husbands. If you trusted your parents, those of you that are still under your parents, you'd submit. If you trusted your master, you'd submit. If you trusted God, you'd submit. And that is the call for every one of us. Submission is simple trust. Here's what I've learned as the plane makes the descent here. Here's what I've learned just very simply in my life. It's really only submission if I don't want to do it. Right? I mean, if it's this great, awesome idea or this super awesome thing, that's not submission. If I don't have to submit my will to you know, my spouse, the needs of my kids, you guys, Mitch, elders, if I don't have to um, submit my own will in check, it's not submission. So don't walk around and be like, oh, man, I am just killing the submission game because everything, boom, 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 you got it. Everything I touch turns to gold. No, that's Carl. That's not, that's not submission to Christ necessarily. But here's the beauty. There is freedom in submission. There is freedom in submission. Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.17, he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There's freedom. And so as we walk in the Spirit, allowing Him to transform us to look more like Christ, that is what brings freedom. Not Carl getting his wissy, wimpy, silly way all the time. But submitting to Christ, allowing Him to move in my life, in the life of my relationships, the life of our church, that is where freedom is found. And it's found only in Christ. And God promises that. And when I act contrary, I enslave myself. And so here, the S word, submission, it's not a bad word. It's His word. The command is to submit. The examples are real-life relationships. The authority is Christ. The band's going to come up, and that authority, while it has always existed, it was demonstrated in full on the cross. If you look in the seat back in front of you, you'll see these uh, communion cups. Everybody grab one of those. If you have placed your faith in Christ... Your trust, your simple trust, trust in His way that He is your Master and Lord and that you submit to Him with your soul. If you have had that time, grab one of these cups. If you have not and you desire to, it is truly simple trust. And you can make that decision right now to trust Christ from this day forward, to, to live for Him, to, to trust Him in all ways. We can walk you through what that looks like. And so if you desire to make that decision... You can do that right now with a simple prayer to Him. And then afterwards, you know, grab me or Mitch, one of our elders, or someone at the info bar. Uh, you can check some boxes on your Connect card as well, and we'll walk you through that. But those of us that have put our faith in Christ, that was demonstrated in full on the cross. And it was the night that Jesus was betrayed that He took the bread. He's, he's with His disciples in the upper room celebrating the Passover meal. In the Passover meal, there was a special piece of bread known as the Afrikoman. And it meant, I am come. And it was set aside for generations, centuries, millennia, that one day God would come for His people. Jesus took that bread 
And he took it and he broke it. And I encourage you to break it because he was about to have his body broken on the cross. And he broke it and he said, This, Afakoman, the I am come, has come. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Partake of the bread. And then he took the cup. Again, not just his glass, not just any cup. The cup, the cup of Elijah, the cup of sacrifice that was set aside. At every one of these uh, Passover meals, they would set an entire place setting for Elijah that one day God would come and prepare the way to save his people once and for all. Jesus says, it is tonight that I will go for that. And he took this cup and said, this is my blood poured out shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take of the cup. And we are reminded of how good God is and how sweet His salvation is. And I want to close with this and then it'll turn into a prayer. But no joke nor coincidence. Monday morning. So Liz and I had this great conversation on Sunday night that was 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 leading to progress, but we we hadn't arrived yet, probably still haven't. But that morning I woke up and, and, and I, I read a devotion in this book um, called The Listening Day by Paul J. Pastor. In fact, Zach gave me this book. And um, it has this very simple one a day uh, little devotion. And the one that morning that was next in line was uh, was titled Before the Mountain. And I just read it because it was the next one. But I want to read a small excerpt from this. Now, Paul is writing, Paul Pastor, is writing as best he can from God's point of view. And so these words I'm going to read are are his best take at something God might say to us before the mountain. It says this. It says, Have you forgotten what consecrates my servants? It's like, I desire to be a servant of God. I pray that's for you as well. He says, Blood, oil, and the clean garment. All things that come from beyond you. These are not things that we can just do, just like submission. You can't just click your heels together. He says, these are given to you by Father, Son, and Spirit. And this is the one that got me right here. Do not stay where you are when you hear the call to come. That's submission. Lord, you're calling. And he says, simply reply like a child. Here I am. You called. What do you have for me? Do not stay where you are when you hear the call to come. He says, that is how you rise to the occasion, how the impossible mountain whatever that is in your life, and it may be represented by these relationships that Paul listed, or another relationship, or a sin, or sins in your life. That is how the impossible mountain humbles, submits itself to welcome you. And then Paul, a pastor, closes every one of these with a simple prayer. And I want to pray that over us as I close in prayer as we respond in, in musical worship. The prayer is this. Pray, Lord, You have given all your people access to your presence and authority in worship and in prayer so that we might experience you fully and bring others before you in love. Help 
me understand and embrace my own life as a priest before you, living holy and focused on your presence. Amen.